Kane's Big Joe for Absolute Comfort, your trusted independent American Standard Air dealer. And owner Chris Wedekin sells the Mitsubishi Electric Mini Split, a great option for heating and cooling where ductwork can't be installed. If you have one of those homes that has baseboard heat or electric heat, ceiling cable heat, these can be specifically designed for those houses because in those houses it's very difficult to have them do all the construction and remodeling that goes with adding ductwork into those types of homes. Find out more by going to absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted independent American Standard Air Mitsubishi Electric Elite Ductless Pro Dealer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez, Indy Spanglish on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. He's filling in for Big Nige. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, my friend. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you too, sir. Big day coming up. Lots of food, lots of football. Looking forward to it. And speaking of jive turkeys, let's transition to Joe Hogsett. Now, Joe Hogsett, your defending champion of the world when it comes to the mayor's race in Indianapolis. Remember before the mayoral election, when old boss Hogsett decided that with the help of the very Democrat-heavy City County Council, they were going to get in the hotel business. You remember this, right? I, I do, I do. And they were going to revitalize this area around Pan Am Plaza, and the city was going to basically take control of this hotel project, which rubbed a lot of the other hotel owners the wrong way because their concern is, okay, so now the city is going to use their leverage to partner with Visit Indy or Indy Sports Corp to bring all the business to this specific hotel. Seems like it's a little unfair to the other hotels. We're now, we're finding out that the whole project itself is going to be way more expensive than we thought. Let's go to the WIBC hotline. Mickey Shuey of the IBJ has the story out right now in regards to the cost of this project. Mickey, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Tell us about what you've learned in regards to this hotel project. Um, yeah, so so the long and short of it is that as part of the bond issuance for the Signia by Hilton Hotel and the Associated Convention Center expansion, We've learned during the course of our reporting that, that the total cost, the development cost is going to be about $750 million, about $751.6 to be exact. But but when you account for the interest for the project, which when you talk about them generally, you don't do that. But, but when you actually look at what the city will be spending through hotel revenue bonds on this, uh, the, the cost is actually going to be closer to $1.6 billion. So $751.6, give or take, has turned into $1.6 billion. And for those who might not be privy to how this whole thing works, is this tax money? So the answer to that is a little bit complicated because most of it is not tax money. Uh, that's because uh, a good portion of it is coming from what are called hotel revenue bonds uh, that will essentially be uh, where the hotel pays for itself through the revenue it generates. 
the city, as the owner of the property, is not allowed to uh, make a profit from the hotel. So anything that goes beyond operating costs and all that has to go toward uh, what's called debt service for the hotel, basically paying off that debt. Right. Uh, so that's kind of a gamble on whether or not the project is successful, then. Is that fair? Based on the, the study that was done, based on what the uh, the groups like Visit India are saying, what uh, uh, convention groups like FDIC, FFA, Gen Con, they're all saying that they need this hotel. So uh, it seems like from all that, there there's going to be demand for it. Now, obviously, how much uh, is to be determined, but I did want to note one other thing as far as the rest of the cost, because the hotel revenue bonds will pay for about one point, excuse me, one point one million, excuse me, billion dollars of debt service for the hotel portion of the project. There's another portion that's being paid for with the downtown taxing finance district, and not to uh, bore your list with all the nitty-gritty, but but essentially that's uh, money that's generated by the downtown area uh, from taxes at restaurants uh, and hotels and, and all that through their property taxes and growth in their property taxes. So to a point, that's tax money, but it's not like the city's creating new tax, tax revenue streams to get this done, like in the case of Lucas Oil Stadium uh, back in uh, the 2000s. Mickey, quick question. What benefits are there to the city for this to be a city-owned project versus it be private sector? So the benefit to the city really is just that it gets built uh, because uh, the previous developer, Kite, who is still involved in the project uh, technically as a developer, uh, they encountered a lot of challenges uh, from what we've been told uh, in the private sector uh, in terms of interest rates because, of course, interest rates are are quite high now. Um, The city was able to secure a much lower rate than they would have been, Kite would have been able to. Uh, Kite was probably looking at a 9-10% rate, which would have probably pegged this project, including all debt service, closer to the, like, the $2 billion mark. Um, but uh, but the city, uh, it was allowed to go up to 8%, but it only needed to secure, a, it was able to secure a 5.4% rate overall for the project, which is rather good for municipal bond at this point in time. Mickey Shuey is our guest of the IBJ. He has a story out at the IBJ on how the city of Indianapolis could ultimately pay more than $1.6 billion for the redevelopment of downtown's Pan Am Plaza, significantly more than the $751.6 million that was reported earlier. Uh, Mickey, last thing here before we let you go. Look, I think everybody knows me. I'm a better. I'm a sports better. There is no such thing as a sure thing. I've got all the faith in the world in Visit Indy and the Indy Sports Corp. Nobody does events and big business quite like those guys do. They're rock stars. But in the event that this project fails, who's on the hook for it? So, as part of this uh, whole setup, they, uh, excuse me, the city has a, a reserve fund that would last essentially a full year of debt service for the hotel, um, give or take a few million dollars. But beyond that, if, if something catastrophic were to happen, uh, the city would have to come essentially go go through the city county council to authorize more funds and kind of go that route. So, so from a technical standpoint, our understanding is that that 
if something catastrophic were to happen, these bonds would be uh, paid for by the city by tax dollars. Um, but that's that's if you blow past all the um, all the uh, hurdles that you'd have to get through to to get to that point. There's there's a lot of fail states in in place to prevent that from happening. Right, because I know a lot of our listeners are going to say there's really no such thing as city money. There's money that we've kicked into it from taxes and various other programs, but the city money is ultimately our money. Uh, where can we get uh, more information if somebody wants to have a conversation with you? If they've got questions about this story, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on X uh, at Mickey Shuey, M-I-C-K-E-Y-S-H-U-E-Y. And you can read the full story at IBJ.com. Mickey Shuey, IBJ, thank you so much for your time. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks. You too. All right. Shifting gears a little bit. Big travel day today. You going anywhere? You traveling next couple days? I will be going to Terre Haute. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sycamore country, huh? Sycamore country. Yep. So today, one of the biggest travel days of the year, if not the biggest. And everybody can rest easy, though. Even though everything seems like it costs a little bit more money, Biden's energy advisor, Amos Hochstein, Hochsteinstein, says that right now, here on November 22nd, 2023, we're at the lowest gas prices since Thanksgiving of 2020. Gas prices are always important uh, to American consumers, to American families. It's an indicator, uh, as you just noted. And I think no, there's no time in the year where that's more true than the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, and we're at the lowest prices now since Thanksgiving of 2020. First of all, that's a pathetic, embarrassing lie. When Joe Biden took office, the nationwide average was two thirty-nine a gallon. Today, nationwide, it's three twenty-eight a gallon. And we say this with, again, Joe Hogsett when he talks about the homicide rates. You don't get to be the guy that is in charge when the record is hit, and then when it's barely not a record, you don't get to do a victory lap as a result of that. Well, it's the same thing they do with job creation, right? It's like the jobs were gone because of COVID. Right. Now we're opening back up and you want to take credit for us going back to work. All right. Let's take a little break here. Find out what's going on on the roads. What's the latest? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. So Thanksgiving whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I mean, Eve is upon us. Make sure you put your stockings out tonight and Chris Christie will come down your chimney and deliver you some gravy if you've been a good boy or girl this past year. Uh, I'm Jason Hammer, Jerry Lopez, Indy Spanglish in for Big Nige. So we were talking about this earlier today. Now, when I get you involved in this conversation, Jerry, is it still a big party night? Is the night before Thanksgiving, which when we were younger was a huge deal because you'd you know, go out to the bars, you'd see your friends, maybe they went to college, maybe they went to the service, moved away, everybody came back home, and it was like a big party. Is it still that way? Do you think it is? I, I think it's still one of the biggest party nights of the year because, like you said, everybody's home, and uh, there's nothing to do tomorrow until probably mid-afternoon unless you're cooking. Uh, so a lot of people have a lot of free time. Most businesses are closed. 
I think it's still a big party party day. Because it feels like, and maybe this is my old man yells at the cloud moment here, that every generation, you know, starting at the greatest generation, then going boomers, then Gen X, and all the way down the food chain, they get a little softer when it comes to hard partying, going out, getting your drink on, like... The greatest generation would drink anybody under the table. And then the boomers, I think, would outdrink Gen X. Gen X would outdrink the millennials, and so on and so on. I just don't know if it's that big of a deal to the folks in their 20s right now to go out and tie one on tonight. Well, it's almost like you mentioned, though. A lot of these people don't need to go out tonight to see their friends, right? They have FaceTime. They have social media. That's they, what's different. They've been in touch the whole year. A lot of us would go out, and every time you ran into somebody, it was, oh, my goodness, it's a huge deal, right? Right. That, that, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Man, that was the best back in the day when girls would go away to college and maybe they had a bad breakup and then they would come back <laughs> to your hometown and you could rekindle some uh, some things, yeah. so to speak. Serve some turkey. <laughs> Serve some turkey. Absolutely. That's a great way to put that right there. Uh, so are you going out tonight? Uh, maybe. Possibly. Because I've listened when you filled in for me in the past. I'm well aware of your dart My game, dart game yeah. and the fact that your whole hometown tavern is like within walking distance of your house yeah, three blocks which is like living the dream yeah it's it, well it's dangerous as well you know <laughs> it's uh it's, yeah it's, it's it gets a little sketchy right it's so easy that it, it yeah needs to be tampered down a little bit so like when you walk into the place what's uh, the name of the place old town tavern when you walk into old town tavern it's like cheers right your norm yeah right jerry yeah. everybody just throws their hands now we up. start playing darts yeah <laughs> right so they'll be a possibility of some darts and beverages being consumed tonight there's there's pr uh, a high likely uh that this will happen <laughs> tonight yeah i'm not a meteorologist but it's gonna yeah. be raining darts later yeah. on this evening uh take a listen to this here's a woman explaining her family's thanksgiving day spreadsheet that requires everybody to pitch in Okay, so this is how I do Thanksgiving so that my siblings and I don't kill each other. Basically, we give every dish a point value from one to three. A cranberry dish is a one, turkey's a three, and we all draft what dishes we want to make. We also do this thing called Flex Kitchen, which means you basically hang out in the kitchen for an hour, and your job is to keep the kitchen clean. So unloading the dishwasher if it needs ready, loading it, helping out the people cooking, whatever it takes to keep the kitchen moving. So everyone has the same amount of work on the holiday. Whoop, whoop. So where are we at with a Thanksgiving draft, Jerry? Uh, it sounds miserable, but I, <laughs> but I guarantee she got tired of doing it all by herself, and this is probably how it started. Here's the problem with the draft. Like, there's a good chance I would get selected to do one of these chores, and I've made it perfectly clear. It's not because I don't try. I'm a liability in the kitchen. Like, I get in the way, I burn stuff, I make a mess. I'm like a five-year-old when it comes to the kitchen. Now, meat to fire, I can grill. If it's going in the microwave, I can do that. But if you want me to get my hands involved and put seasonings and things on, I'm a liability. Well, she's got you covered. You sound like a perfect uh, person for the flex kitchen, just sitting there and clean stuff up. <laughs> the intern of the <laughs> yeah, kitchen. That's yeah. what I am. Uh, take a listen to this. A woman in California is making the claim, she's making the argument that honking a car horn is free speech after she got a ticket for honking 17 times while driving by a protest. 
So there were some people protesting. She drove by and 17 times in a row, honk, 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 honk. She's claiming that's protected by free speech, although she got a ticket for disturbing the peace. What say you? I mean, she's annoying. I, I get honking past a protest, <laughs> but 17 times is a little excessive. I mean, that's immediately, that's disturbing. But the, you know what? Some of these protests are a little ex- obsessive, too. I would agree. Excessive. I would agree, especially walking in the street and all this other stuff. I get it. I, I want to see what happens. Take it to court, fight it. Let's see what happens. That's a great That's a great thing for, I mean, it sounds so trivial, but that if, if we're talking about freedom of speech, is this a Supreme Court candidate, you know, for something as ridiculous as honking? Can something be freedom of speech and also disturbing the peace at the same time? Right. Now, I'm not a lawyer. Maybe I can call Abdul or Guy Relford and say, if a protest is getting a little rowdy and it's blocking the street, is it really peaceful can you disturb the peace if something's going from peaceful to quote mostly peaceful mostly peaceful (laughs) like we've seen in the past but this gives us a chance to do great moments in honking history this was i think a couple years ago People were angry over all of the fireworks going off at like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning in New York City, and the mayor didn't do anything about it. So they showed up outside the New York City mayor's home and honked their horns in the middle of the night. We can't sleep. Mr. Mayor, you won't sleep. I'm I'm this level of petty, and I'm here for that. I love it. I love it, I'm kind of with you. I'm a fireworks guy, but I don't put them off at 3 o'clock in also, the morning. Also, let's get a number on how many is ticket worthy, right? So if you have 100 people, but we only honk four times a piece, I think we're good. Great moments in honking history. This is when there was a little dispute about who was supposed to be in line at the Taco Bell drive-thru. Are one of you guys going to move? Somebody cutting in front of somebody. Situation. No, I'm not. I'm calling the police because what you did is. Oh my God, it's Taco Bell. It's Taco Bell. Like, everyone's going to eat. But how should you just go cut in front of somebody? It's not worth your energy. And last but not least, great moments in honking history the horn that Rodney Dangerfield had in Caddyshack. That's the horn that I want on my car. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. They died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nigel is out today. Jerry Lopez, Indy Spanglish filling in. And John Herrick, the news director for 93 WIBC, joins us in studio. John, you're a busy dude this time of year. You've got duties with IU. Uh, Normally, you do some play-by-play for the high school championships. But tonight, you've got a really cool 
WIBC documentary that's going to air at 7 o'clock. And Nigel and I have talked about this before, John. We love these documentaries that the newsroom puts together. And there's another one tonight. Tell us about it. Well, it's called One Day in Dallas. As you guys probably know, today's a very somber day, I think, in our country because it is the 60th anniversary of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. I think a day that changed America in so many ways. And I think some people are probably wondering, like, what could you possibly do in a documentary that hasn't already been said uh, about the assassination of President Kennedy? But there's actually some really cool archival audio you're going to hear from uh, some reporters that were on the scene that day uh, that was recorded in the late 2000s. And really, it kind of changed how news was covered uh, in America. This was this was a day of chaos, man. I mean, you had the president getting shot and killed, and then you have his supposed assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald, being taken to jail, and then he gets killed by Jack Ruby. And so you're going to hear from some of these reporters that were uh, on the scene. Uh, you're going to hear from some people who were uh, expecting to be reporting about the president's you know, day that day, what it was supposed to be like, and then everything got thrown into a tussle. And then the same thing happens when Jack Ruby goes up and kills Oswald, and where there's a bunch of reporters standing not far from where that happens. So you're going to hear from people that were at the scene. Uh, you're even going to hear from some Indianapolis news anchors what it was like for them on that day. Uh, so there's a lot of really cool archival audio that uh, we dig through for this uh, for the 60th anniversary special. And when you're going through all these archives, how long of a process does this take? Because, again, this radio station, WIBC, we've been around for a long time. The biggest, strongest signal in Indiana, long heritage, long history. As the news director, when you decide, all right, I'm going to do a retrospective on this or that, and you get access to the awesome array of WIBC archives, how long of a process does that take? Well, luckily, I had a lot of help with this one. Mike Thompson was fantastic with with his help on this. He did a fantastic job. And David Wood is also great. Our program director uh, here at WIBC, fantastic on on finding some old stuff. And he's always got a lot of good ideas about what we can do when we come up on key anniversaries like this one. Um, Thankfully, YouTube is also a big help when you can get access to the public domain. But we also have a a reel-to-reel back there. We have a lot of tapes that um, sometimes it's hard to dust them off and, and go and see if they even still work, but a lot of them still do, and we have a lot of uh, great ways to access uh, that audio, and it's been a really big help. And then, of course, when you're on a national level and you're going to go see what you know a lot of these other news anchors uh, had to say from other markets, uh, it's it's a little bit easier to find that. But uh, stuff that's here, it, it takes a while. It takes some digging, but we don't mind doing it. I know. Unfortunately, like you said, this is a very somber day for us. But there, but there are two videos that I just remember very distinctly as a kid, and the assassination of the president, and then. Following on the, the 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 murder or the killing of Lee Harvey Oswald, so it'll be interesting to see how you know d- just to see the story and see see it put together. Yeah, I, and that's that's the other thing too. I mean, everybody has seen the Zapruder film. Everybody sees the probably remembers the the TV footage uh, that day of seeing Ruby just walk right up to Oswald and shoot him. I mean, that stuff is crazy that happened in 1963. Can you imagine if that happened in 2023 with Twitter and all the social media things we've got going on? That would still be. Uh, 
uh, a chaotic scene. But uh, this was, we got to do it a little bit through a different perspective because this is audio based. So we got to have engaging audio that's going to you know capture the listener's attention. And I think we've, uh, I think we've been able to do that with this one. John Herrick is our guest. He's the news director here at 93 WIBC. Uh, coming up after our program tonight at seven o'clock, they've got a great 60th anniversary special in regards to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Uh, John, our news director, put this together. What did you learn in this process, John? Well, I, a lot of people had some fantastic stories. Uh, there was one veteran KRLD reporter named Wes Wise. For those of you who don't know, KRLD, fantastic news talk radio station in Dallas. I mean, this was a guy that went to the scene of the assassination to get information, and then um, he ran into a man he knew who happened to be Jack Ruby and interviewed him, and that was before all of that happened. Wes Wise has a fantastic story. You're going to learn a lot about Wes uh, in this special. You're going to learn a lot about uh, the, the challenges that reporters had in those days of how do you get information that works and how do you know when to put it on the air. If you remember, Walter Cronkite was very hesitant to report this on CBS News. It was so unbelievable. And how could you? How do you know when to report what was right? And they had pictures from the scene and he couldn't even believe what he was seeing. So when he reports it, he's obviously very somber. Some reporters didn't even believe it to the point where they would feel comfortable reporting it because it seemed so uh, insane. So you you get to witness throughout the special or li- or listen to I guess how these people struggled with this crisis of conscience. How do you how do you go about reporting on the air that this president, this man of great consequence, uh, is no longer with us, and that you're going to end up with more questions than answers when people are asking you, the journalists, all these questions, and it's tough to get answers to them. And sixty years later. This is still a story where people argue about, they have different opinions about, uh, you know, there's all these conspiracy theories. There have been major news stories throughout the course of time. What is it about this incident, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, that still creates so much debate, so many conversations 60 years later? I think it's because you hear from different people all the time, and you witness something that you didn't see before, or you hear a reporter's perspective. You're going to hear from a lot of people who were either at the scene or near the scene or dealing with the ramifications of this. And you might be... I've heard some people say there was a conspiracy, then they hear a reporter's account of it, and then go, okay, I don't think there's a conspiracy. Conspiracy. It seems like Oswald did it. But then you hear from other people and say, no, no, I definitely think there was more than one shooter. I mean, so everybody's opinions are changing, I think, every year based on what you hear. Uh, you, you're, you may find it tough after you hear the end of this special to even come away with a conclusion. And I think that's the challenging part every year is that we, despite how crazy that day was and everybody scrambled to get information, we still don't know the complete story and we probably never will. Walter Cronkite was the one that basically broke the story on the air. Mm-hmm. you got to keep in mind, 60 years ago, there were very few news outlets. There was no internet. You know, There was no social media. So you had to rely on the news anchor on the networks. Was that a crowning moment in broadcast journalism? I, I think it was. And I, and I think the reason why is because I know some people say you shouldn't show emotion when you deliver the news. And for the most part, I agree with that. Sometimes, however, you are delivering news that is so impactful, so sad, and so tragic that if you don't show some emotion, people are going to look at you as you're not human. You're not empathizing with 
what the country is going through at the moment. And Cronkite did that. He took his glasses off. He was very somber, and he couldn't believe what he was reporting. But he knew he had a job to do, and he did it anyway. Uh, some people struggle with that. And, and I I think I, I'm not Walter Cronkite. I'm not saying I am. But like the night of the riots, for example, when I was co-anchoring with Ethan Hatcher, Jason, I couldn't believe what I was having to report. You just don't. It, there's Sometimes you're put in a situation like that as a reporter where you have to do what you have to do. And and Cronkite was put in a very difficult situation, maybe one of the most difficult positions any news anchor could ever be in. Because it feels like anytime there's a massive story like this, and we, we see this today, especially with everybody being on social media, a lot of the early reports aren't necessarily true. Yes, and, and that, and also, they these reporters dealt with some of the same problems. You didn't have social media back then, but you had... You know, reporters going to the scene and saying, "Okay, well, we're we're gonna. This is the story we know we're chasing." And sometimes the story you chase is not the story you end up getting. Right. And that is, and and nobody would have thought that on you wake up the morning of November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, that the assassination of the president is the story you're going to get. And then you get information from people that you don't even know is true. I can't tell you how many times we get phone calls to the WIBC newsroom of people claiming they have a news tip and it's it's BS. It's false. So you, it's trying to figure out what's true and what's false. That's been a challenge for, I think, news journalists forever, even with or, with or without social media. So tell us one more time, what can we expect at 7 o'clock tonight? You're going to hear uh, a lot about the scene, how the day started for the president uh, leading up to uh, his decision to go uh, on on this uh, trip to Dallas and what everything happened, everything that ensued. You know the story about the assassination, but then all of the other archival audio that goes with it, including some from Secret Service agents, from journalists, uh, from not just in Texas, but around the country. Uh, it's it's going to be very gripping audio that I I think you're really going to uh, be immersed by. I don't want to say enjoy because <laughs> it might be tough to take. But no, it's but be like naughty. I think it's okay to say yeah. enjoy because the way you guys put these things together, it's a historical trip. It's a you know yes. trip down memory lane with audio and perspective. And if you're a history nerd or somebody that just remembers these things, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, and I think this was an event that really, when I studied it in high school, this is what got me into history. I didn't like history very much, but then you study this event and you understand its historical impact, you then start to love history. At least that's the way it was for me. Maybe it'll have that impact for you if you hear the special tonight. And if somebody can't be around a radio tonight, will this be posted online? Yes, it will. It'll go up on WIBC.com later. John Herrick, News Director. John, have a happy Thanksgiving and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys, too. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Coming up a little bit after four. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Clock, an update on this car explosion at the New York-Canada border. A couple people have died. We will discuss that we will have information on our charity bowling event where we're going to raise some money for some veterans all of that and a serious conversation about thanksgiving food what foods are overrated what foods you don't like that everybody else just loves all of that's coming up a little bit 
after four o'clock. I'm Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige. And Jerry, we just spoke to John Herrick in the news department. There's a great documentary tonight talking about the 60th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Now, on the heels of that, there's this guy that claims that JFK Jr. and the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, are actually the same person. Comedian Jason Selvig, he's interviewing some guy who actually believes that little John John, JFK Jr., and Mike Lindell are the same person. Who is Mike Lindell? Who is? Is John John still alive? We're going to find out the truth. You think that Mike Lindell is John F. Kennedy Jr.? Yes, I do. Do you have a picture to prove it there? So this is a picture of Mike Lindell and John F. Kennedy Jr. What's the evidence here? Well, the evidence is we're going to find out that people had to play certain roles to get the truth out to people. Why would John F. Kennedy Jr. fake his own death and then assume the identity of a pillow salesman? Well, you have to ask yourself, what was he running for? He was running for a seat in New York. Who won that seat? Was it Hillary Clinton? So so John F. Kennedy Jr. is actually Mike Lindell. We'll find out. Now that is some next foil next level tinfoil hat stuff definitely but this is not the first time this has happened there's a guy online is at vincent underscore fusca f is a frank usca and for years now that the QAnon group has said that that is jfk jr really really this is a real thing so jfk jr decided you know what i don't want to be the sexiest man alive anymore and bang all these supermodels and live my life of camelot What I want to do is live a life in secret because I'm scared of being offed by Hillary Clinton and company. Fine. Whatever. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! Thanksgiving Eve. My name is Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez. Indy Spanglish on social media. Make sure you follow him. Uh, He's filling in for Big Nige today. You started something on the YouTube chat, Jerry, and now people are ready to throw down. What is it? Hey, we're ready. So just, just we always talk about what you're looking forward to on Thanksgiving, and I just wanted to ask people, what is the worst dish? What is one dish that you just you don't like? Right, because everybody always talks about the foods they like. Yeah. What's something that's usually on the table that you don't care for? And yours was what? Glazed carrots. I, See, I like, like glazed carrots. I don't like gla- I don't like glazed carrots or cranberry sauce. Now, I'm with you on cranberry sauce. A lot of people love it. A lot of people love it right out of the can, where yeah. you see like the can rings on the cranberry no sauce. No thanks. <laughs> no thanks. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to open up the phone lines. We don't do this very often, but this warrants a conversation on the night before Thanksgiving. 239-9393. What is one food that will be on the Thanksgiving table that you just don't care for. For you, Jerry, it was glazed carrots. It's cranberries. For me, I don't like cranberries either. I'm not a big casserole guy. Some people live and die by the casserole, whether it's green bean casserole, whatnot. I'm not a big casserole guy. But if I have to pick, it's the cranberries. Now, cranberry juice with a little absolute Courant (laughs) in it, maybe a little Sprite in there. That is an amazing beverage. That right there is a drink. But the cranberry sauce, 
Man, I've never liked that. So let's have real talk here. 239-9393. What Thanksgiving favorite do you just not like? Your call is coming up in just a minute. Now, we are keeping an eye on the story from upstate New York. At the New York-Canada border, kind of there by Niagara Falls, a car has exploded near that Rainbow Bridge, and at least two people are dead. The FBI is investigating this right now. Again, nothing has been made official but it's looking like this was a terrorist type of situation. Yeah, so the reports are coming out saying that they were asked to go to a secondary inspected, uh, inspection. And when they turned, they, they made an immediate U-turn and just basically crashed into the gate and exploded. That, the only casualties that are being reported right now are the two people that were in the vehicle. Uh, but they've shut down the airport. They've shut down a bunch of other things because they're worried about possibly a second car. Canadian uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says this is a very serious situation. Meanwhile, New York's governor, Kathy Hochul, said she is following the story and that New York State Police are actively working with the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force to monitor all points of entry into the state of New York from Canada. So this whole time, you know, most people are focused on what's happening at the southern border. But Nigel and I said the other day, don't forget, there are two ways to enter this country. And this looks like it was a bad situation coming from our friends to the north. So throughout the afternoon, throughout the program, if we get more information, we will certainly pass that on to you. Little reminder here, uh, tickets are now on sale for our special bowling event that is going to raise money for veterans. It's called Red, White, and Bowl with Hammer and Nigel, presented by Jack Daniels, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, January 12th, Woodland Bowl on the north side, 96th Street. Uh, Go to WIBC.com, the events section. And we've also got it posted on Hammer and Nigel Show, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram story. Tickets are just $75 per person or a team of six for 450 bucks and you get your own lane and listen to what you get for the price of admission three full hours of bowling a pizza buffet a complimentary beer because it is beer sample friday amazing treats from our friends at jack daniels and we have a silent auction we're going to be giving away door prizes and raffles throughout the entire night and with every ticket sold proceeds will benefit veterans. It is Bowling to Veterans Link. This is a program that helps out the brave men and women who have served our country that are having a hard time. And bowling provides an outlet for them to kind of relax, be among other people, have a good time, activities like that. So it's a great cause. We're helping out veterans. And Hammer and Nigel Show listeners, we need you to show up in full force It's Beer Sample Friday. It's presented by Jack Daniels. Three hours. That's the event. Now, I believe Nigel and I are doing our show there, too, from 3 until 6. And then we're going to wrap it up a little early and then do the bowling event 6 until 9. It's a Friday. You got the day off afterwards. It's going to a great cause. This will sell out. 
Get your tickets now. And if you haven't had the Woodland Pizza, the Royal Bend Pizza, it's so good. And we got the pizza buffet lined up for you. Get your tickets right now on the events page, WIBC.com. All right. Are you ready for this, Jerry? I'm ready. Let's see. Let's what see. Thanksgiving food do you got a problem with? Scott, you're up first. Talk to us, Scott. Yeah, guys, happy Thanksgiving. Um, any jello with vegetables in it, carrots, celery. I don't know who came up with that, but oh my God. It's <laughs> a good one. It's a good one. The jello with the mysterious item floating in there. I got you. I feel you on that, Scott. Uh, Jennifer, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Talk to us. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, it's got to be the candied yams with the marshmallow things in there. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, you I got Spanglish all fired up over here, no Jennifer. Yeah, you had no me with way. the marshmallows. You put marshmallows on top. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's got to be illegal. <laughs> Jennifer, happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. We're talking about Thanksgiving food items that everybody else loves, but you got a problem with dude i hate three bean casserole casseroles dude if the beans aren't fried in a pan with garlic and olive oil keep them (laughs) (laughs) what so you don't like green bean casserole at all i'm I can do a little green bean casserole, but not a lot. Any other type of casserole. Like you even told breakfast me like, casserole off is my the staple. air. Breakfast yeah, casserole. Man, I can't do that. Uh, I just can't. Uh, Noah, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Hi. Yeah, I, I don't like turkey. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, hold on. That's blasphemous. Because we're about to book you a one-way ticket to Guantanamo. <laughs> what do you eat on Thanksgiving, Noah? Uh, nothing really. Mac and cheese, mostly. <laughs> now, all right, let's have a conversation about Thanksgiving mac and cheese. Are you a craft macaroni and cheese guy, or does it have to be next level? Does it have to have, like, the, the little cheesy crust on the top with the special noodles? Artesian and- mac and cheese. Right, right. What kind of mac and cheese I, are we I like talking? All kinds. I like all kinds. The cheesier, the better? Yeah. Yeah, I all agree right. with that. Let's go to Dana. Dana, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Talk to us. What's a Thanksgiving item that you don't like? Uh, well, I was going to say sweet potatoes, but somebody already said that one. The other one, I just can't. I'm sorry. Say that again. Beets. We lost you. I said I hate beets. Oh, beets. yeah. Like oh, dirt. boy. <laughs> don't let Dana Lash hear that. She'll come by, chase you down, and break your leg. She's all about the beets. Yeah, I'm not a big beets person. Like somebody said earlier, when you start mixing the vegetables with other items, whether it's jello, whether it's casserole, now you're kind of getting into a gray area with me. Dwight Schrute would not be happy with that response. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you get the last word here. What's a uh, Thanksgiving item that you just don't care for? Well, I got to tell my best one first is probably the older you get, I like putting the cranberries on my turkey. But I'm going to tell you that the worst side dish is relatives. <laughs> ah, that's great. <laughs> Touche. Well done, Jeff. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. So this is how it's going to work today. I'm going to run a couple different stories by Jerry. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige. He's going to be the one that breaks down all the information and gives us a verdict of whether or not the story is anything or not. We start with this. A Frontier flight from Houston to Denver had to be diverted to Dallas because some woman began to act like a lunatic, screaming, fighting with the flight attendants, climbing over seats to try to get away from people. I'm going to play you some audio here in just a minute. You're going to hear her screaming, but then another female passenger begins walking the aisle, preaching that the woman is possessed. I mean, there's a lot going on here. Take a listen. There's a lot going on there, Jerry. Is that anything? That's the best commercial for like U.S. Airways, Delta. <laughs> it, this is why you don't fly these. Like this was Frontier. Yeah. This is why you don't fly Frontier. You don't fly Spirit. The the ticket the the cheapest ticket is not always the best flight. Right. When you have cheap airfare, sometimes you get cheap people. Yeah. Now I've flown Frontier a number of times. Like they've got great cheap flights to Vegas and back. I think their uh, hub is in Colorado. So they've got cheap airfare when I go to Vegas, sometimes down to Florida. But you know, once you're willing to dance with the devil there, so to speak, and you buy that cheap, low-cost airfare, sometimes you're going to get cheap, low-cost people yep. joining you on that flight. Yep. And that lady broke out into full hymns and was singing. and <laughs> like I think four people got kicked off that plane, including the lady that like had a mental issue. Now, Carl's our producer today. He's filling in for Allison. Carl, you had sent me a story about something else that happened on a Frontier flight. What was that? <laughs> yeah, this woman just pulls down her pants and takes a leak in the <laughs> aisle. When you got to go, you got to go. Like, come on. Really? I mean, morons on flights and morons at the airport. I talked about this at a night with WIBC. There's a special place in hell for these people. The people that stand up on the plane, that sit in the back, the minute the wheels are down, you are not the first ones to exit. Sit your backsides down and wait for everybody else to leave. And these morons screaming, fighting, flipping out. The crazy plane lady. That mother bleeper is not real. She since cashed in on that. Well, like because she's hot. Time. Yeah, big time. Right. If yeah. she looked like Joy Behar, yeah. nobody would give a rat's no. rear end yeah. about what the crazy plane lady <laughs> thought. But since it is the night before Thanksgiving, one of if not the biggest travel day of the year, if you need to get somewhere in a hurry, but you're concerned about lunatics, we've got you. Hammer and Nigel Airlines is here for you. Hammer and Nigel Airlines are committed to providing you with a safe, professional, and comfortable environment at 33,000 feet in the air. Give me a stop, this guy! Come fly with me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Not only do Hammer and Nigel Airlines have extra leg room and free peanuts, but if you lose your sh in mid-flight, we'll provide the psych vest. I don't care! Put me in a psych vest! At Hammer and Nigel Airlines, we give preferential treatment to all our veterans. You know who my brothers are? They're green snipers. You want to with the f***ing Marine? Hammer and Nigel Airlines, where our motto is, you can go straight to hell. Let me a f*** bastard. Go to hell. Get me a f*** bastard. So if you're having some travel issues right now, we've got you covered here at the Hammer and Nigel Show. Is this anything? A Florida man was caught red-handed by a local TV station selling bootleg disabled parking permits for 200 bucks a piece. It was a sting operation put on by Local 10 News reporter Jeff Weinzer catching this turd in the act. All you need is an ID. That's it. Send me your ID and 200. I'll get you the handicap. You're selling disabled permits? As for a friend, I'm doing it. What? For a friend. You're, what you're doing is illegal. What do you say to disabled people? I'm not people? selling nothing. What do you say to disabled people today? I'm not selling nothing. Guys, put that camera down, guys. That anything? I mean, that's pretty stupid. You're selling them all. You got busted by a news guy. Right. Like, that's the, the, the lowest of people that could bust you. You'd be happy it wasn't the cops. You buffoon. You're online. You deserved it. You deserved it. Is this anything? An Ohio woman had to be saved with an EpiPen after suffering from Christmas tree syndrome. Basically, what this is, is an allergic reaction caused by mold spores that live in a Christmas tree. Here is Angela talking about her allergic attack. My face is quite swollen. I felt like I was going to swallow it, but then I couldn't swallow and my throat was closing up. I never in a million years imagined that a Christmas tree would contain something that could kill me. Anything? I mean, it's another attack on Christmas by the left. Let's change the name. <laughs> needs to be mold spore syndrome. You know, like, let's not attack the Christmas tree. We're making Christmas great again. Yeah. We're bringing back Christmas tree syndrome. Not mold spore no, syndrome. Blame the tree. You know that's going to end up in a Donald Trump campaign ad. It has to. We're bringing Christmas back, even the syndrome. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Safe travels. Enjoy the family, friends of Thanksgiving. Or maybe if you're just kicking it by yourself, enjoy the living hell out of that day. Jason Hammer here, Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige. Jerry, yesterday, Nigel and I were talking about this interview that Jim Ursay had agreed to with Real Sports on HBO. That's the Bryant Gumbel show. But Andrea Kramer was the one that did the interview. And we had heard some chatter that it was going to be pretty wild. It aired last night and it delivered. Normally, when you hear things are going to be really good, you build yourself up, and it's kind of a letdown. But I watched this last night, and there are some sound bites. There are some things to come out of this. So if you don't have HBO, or maybe you missed it, 
Here's a little bit of this Jim Ursay sit-down interview with Hall of Fame reporter Andrea Kramer. So the subject of the 2014 DUI came up. A lot of you have seen the video where Ursay is out of the car. He's kind of got the wild country western shirt on, looks a little disheveled, uh, and he has a hard time standing up. Listen to Jim Ursay talk about the backlash and that arrest. Numerous bottles of pills were found in Ursay's car, and he ultimately pleaded guilty to driving under the influence. Was that the low point for you? No, not really, because the arrest was wrong. I had just had hip surgery and been in the car for 45 minutes. And what, they asked me to walk the line? Are you kidding me? I can barely walk at all. And so I, you're saying you couldn't walk because you'd had the hip surgery, not because you were on any kind yes. of painkillers? I mean, I'm not saying that. It's a fact. So why did you plead to the misdemeanor? Just to get it over with, look, it, I am prejudiced against because I'm a rich white billionaire. If I'm just uh, the average guy down the block, they're not pulling me in. Of course not. Do you know what it's going to sound like if people hear you say they're prejudiced against a rich white I don't care what it sounds like. It's the truth. I don't, you know, Andrea, I could give a damn what people think, how anything sounds or sounds like. The truth is the truth. And I know the truth. There's a lot to unpack there, Jerry. What do you think? And the truth is, this is the only person in the state that could dial a wrong number and get a ride within five minutes, right? He could have just dialed 317, seven numbers, and said, hey, this is Jim Irsay, owner of the Colts. I can't drive. Here's five. He had $29,000 in cash. Here's a thousand bucks, and anybody would have taken him home. So this is, it's like it says here, no self-awareness at all. Right. None. And pills were found. Now, Jim Ursay is saying those were prescribed because I had hip surgery. And he's kind of doubling down a little bit. You were telling me about a tweet that he had put out uh, earlier today because there's a lot of people that don't buy his story. What did he say? Yeah, so First Take is a show that's on ESPN. And I guess they featured part of this. And so he tweeted, first, tweet, first take, you're going to get sued because there was no alcohol and no illegal drugs. $29,000 is low for me to be carrying. 2014 arrest. I give away 2000 to $10,000 a day to the homeless and needed to, on the street. All the time, pass it out. I'm making the world a better place. So when people question why he had a bunch of painkillers or whatever they were pills and thirty thousand dollars in cash on him at the time of his arrest that's his response i carry that around all the time because i'm a rich guy now i have heard that he does hand out hundred dollar bills to everybody he meets i've never i've seen him him, do that at training camp but i've heard that is a fact so the carmel police department they've responded to that uh, little statement last night that the arrest was basically unjust Quote, also, a lot of rich white guys in Carmel. Like you can't, you can't, you know, be right. prejudiced out there. It's the wrong place. This is what the Carmel Police Department told a representative of the Indy Star. "Quote: We are very sorry to hear that comment about our officers and our department. We have a very professional agency consisting of officers that strive to protect our community with integrity and professionalism. So, kind of a generic statement there. It wasn't." A blazing hot take, but that's their way of saying, listen, 
We get you're the owner of the Colts. You're a billionaire. You live in the community. But our officers, they're well-trained and they know what they're doing. So if you thought that was the crazy part of the interview where Jim Ursay says he's prejudiced against because he's a rich white billionaire, take a listen to this. This is where he's talking about what he feels like was rock bottom in terms of his substance abuse. How many times did you go into rehab? Oh, God, at least 15 times. Have you actually ever overdosed? Oh, yeah. One time I, I was trying to detox myself, um, and, I, and I mixed, uh, you know, multiple drugs that, that, that I didn't know anything about. And so all of a sudden I start slurring my words, and then um, cold blue, I stopped breathing. And they revived me, and the doctor goes, um, Jim... You're one lucky man because I had signed virtually the death certificate. And again, that was part of uh, Real Sports on HBO. Uh, Bryant Gumble is the host, but Andrea Kramer, I thought, did an amazing job of getting Jim to open up because he normally doesn't do these types of interviews. From what I gather, she was with him for a number of days. They filmed in a couple different locations. And I think even she was surprised at some of the things he was saying. Well, and it's pretty dangerous, right? For a guy with unlimited source of funds to have any kind of problem with this, you're just knocking on death's door, unfortunately. I, I hope it all gets figured out. Obviously, he does great things in the community, so I don't want to bash him for this. Right. But it would have been nice if he just said, I messed up and, and what's done is done. Yeah, the whole line that we played earlier, I'm a rich white billionaire, and that's basically why people are out to get me and criticize me. That's going to live forever on the internet. And there are a lot of, you know, black employees of the Indianapolis Colts, a lot of your team, African-Americans, do they buy that? Are they going to have that same take of, well, our boss is just getting picked on because he's a rich white guy? Yeah. There's a lot of people in the league that still feel like the police are out to get them because of their skin color. They might not kneel for the flag anymore because of all the backlash the league got, but they feel that way. And to hear the guy that's got more zeros in his bank account than anybody out there saying, I'm really the oppressed one here, man, that's going to be an interesting conversation piece in that Colts locker room. Uh, Israel has agreed to that hostage deal with Hamas Israel's captain has approved a deal for the release of hostages seized by Hamas in exchange for a pause in the fighting in Gaza. The truce, if you want to call it that, slated to begin tomorrow, according to an Israeli official talking to reporters. Now, Jerry, I think the thing to point out here is there's a difference between a ceasefire and a pause, at least I think anyway. A ceasefire, okay, Maybe that's something that has long-term ramifications, right? We're going to stop right now for an extended period of time. A pause means let's get this done, and then we're getting back to beating the hell out of you. I mean, it, it, we're, we're, they're trading, Israel's trading 50 women and children for 150 uh, Palestinians. And we saw, I saw a video earlier of one of the women that's being released by Israel was actually arrested for trying to uh, attack an IDF soldier with a knife. So I would love to see the comparison of, of who they're trading versus who they're getting back.
And we're going to talk about this with uh, Tony Kennett uh, of the Tony Kennett cast and Daily Signal. He's going to join us coming up about 530. His program is tonight at 8 o'clock, special start time uh, due to the JFK special. But I want to get his perspective because it seems like any time Joe Biden is either directly involved or in this case, the United States indirectly involved in the ear of Israel, Joe Biden's trades have been disasters. Bad deals. Whether it's giving things to Iran, whether it's trading Brittany Griner for the merchant of death, or maybe this. Again, I think the family members of these loved ones, they're not going to give a damn. They're happy they're home. But being a world leader normally used to mean that you're not negotiating with terrorists. He's so bad at these trades. I guarantee uh, this weekend for Thanksgiving, he does not get to be the bank for Monopoly. No, (laughs) absolutely not. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel here for our friends at Diamonds Direct. The deal is happening. Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals happening right now with Diamonds Direct. Get in right now. The last and largest store-wide sale of the year, it's in full effect. Guys, if you're thinking about popping the question, maybe you want to purchase that amazing home run gift for the holidays. Rings, earrings, bands, bracelet, you name it. Designer pieces. It's all part of this sale. It's the year's best price, and you can even get special financing as well. Make sure you visit DiamondsDirect.com or stop by that beautiful showroom right there at Keystone at the Crossing. This sale, it ends on Monday. So get in right now. Do your shopping right now. Diamonds Direct, Keystone at the Crossing, the last big sale of the year. Stop by, tell them Hammer and Nigel sent you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Coming up a little bit after five. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The clock, the latest on this car explosion at the New York-Canada border. A lot of... Information coming out early, some of it true, some of it not. We'll let you know what reporters are saying just a little bit after 5 o'clock. People have asked me, hey, you're a degenerate. Are you going to bet on Thanksgiving? To which my response has been, does a bear crap in the woods? Of course, I'm going to be betting on football games on Thanksgiving. So normally on Fridays... I put out a betting article, Jerry, where I give my plays. Comedian Scott Long has his bets. And pro better, David Stefanoff of followneverfade.com. He's a professional. He gives us a free play as well. But since we're off on Thursday and Friday, I've done it early. So right now at WIBC.com, also on the Hammer and Nigel Show, Facebook and Twitter, the betting plays for all of the Thanksgiving NFL games and five additional plays for the weekend. Eight picks in total. We're going crazy this week, so you can get a little extra action when you watch the game. Now, keep in mind, I've kind of been rolling on the NFL. Now, I know this is kind of like jinxing myself, and I'm a superstitious guy, 
but the last six NFL plays I've had, 6-0 and in the NFL. Now, struggle bus last weekend in college football. Lost my first two bets, but we rallied by sweeping NFL Friday, and uh, my overall season record, as it stands right now, 30-26-4. Not bad. It's above 50%. We are above 50%. We're in the positive side of the win-loss record. On a roll in the NFL. On a roll in the NFL, 8-4 and four on my best bets. Now, Scott Long, my colleague, who's going to join us a little bit later on in the show, he's been rolling in college football. So we've got you covered. Check out the article right now, Facebook and Twitter. Look for the Hammer and Nigel show. All of our picks for Thanksgiving. We break down all the Thanksgiving games and give you a little extra to boot. Now, we've reached the point in the college football season where a single tear is about to roll down my eye. It's the very last Degenerate Special. It's time for Hammer's Degenerate Special. We've had ups. We've had downs. And we are even Steven. Five, five, and two on the Degenerate Special. Now, you may be asking yourself, what is the Degenerate Special? This is a game that only degenerates like me would gamble on, Jerry. But... The money you would win on Miami of Ohio at Ball State spends the same as if you won Alabama and Auburn or Michigan and Ohio State. The money spends the same. So let's go out with a bang here. Let's go out with my old stomping grounds. Miami of Ohio at Ball State. The over-under in this game sitting at 36 and a half. To me... Looking at these teams, what they've been doing the last couple of weeks, Ball State actually playing a little bit better, put up some points last week. Miami of Ohio, pretty good defense. They're probably the better team here. This feels like a 24-13 to 13 type of game. And if my Beach Grove High School education is correct, if my Ball State math is correct, 24-13 to 13, equals 37 that's an over that's an over so we are going to ride the lightning and go over 36 and a half miami at ball state that is your final college football degenerate special of the year before we hit a break here i think we've got some weird science all right a scientist says the best way to cook a steak to get the most flavor is by doing it in the microwave. He says the first step is you pull it out of the fridge. You do not put salt on it. This is a scientist who has a social media channel called Physics in the Kitchen. He says the salt dries up some of the moisture in the steak and it takes away from the juiciness and by putting it in the microwave it cooks it from the inside out and makes it more flavorful jerry do you agree or disagree with the mad scientist Uh, once again i'm not going to trust the science this guy feels like fauci of the kitchen (laughs) so i'm gonna have this is a hard pass for me the fauci of the kitchen (laughs) it's the hammer and nigel show hammer and nigel you believe these characters are weirdos so let's rock No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Uh, perhaps a skydiver coming to, to the earth from only 2,000 feet in the air. Thanksgiving until you hear the classic turkey drop from WKRP in Cincinnati. My name is Jason Hammer, Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige, and a couple things going on here. Number one, we're keeping our eye on this story in upstate New York, the New York-Canada border near Niagara Falls. A couple hours ago, the reports that were coming out were it was an explosion. The FBI isn't quite sure if it's a terrorist attack. They're looking into it. Well, as the time has gone by, it sounds like it's a little less terror attack and more car accident where the car went airborne and then crashed and exploded. Either way, two people are dead, and the United States and Canada are both looking into this, trying to make sure that this isn't anything nefarious. And this this is the problem kind of with social media, right? Because there's the rush to be first and not the rush to be right. Right. And people at major networks, we're not talking about- They were saying car detonated. Yeah. We're not talking about Kenny, who's got a podcast in his basement, is reporting. We're talking about major news networks who were really quick- to say, that's it, it's a terror attack, we know it is. Well, not necessarily. You don't know that it is. It's being investigated right now, and we will keep you up to date throughout the evening here at 93 WIBC. The other development right now is Jim Ursay is on a roll on Twitter. So we played some audio earlier in the show of this big interview that he did with HBO last night. Andrea Kramer was the reporter where Jim Ursay said a lot of things like he's taking a lot of heat because he's a rich white billionaire. You know, he's prejudiced against because of that. He talked about hitting rock bottom with his substance abuse, really opening up in this interview. And then you knew the response was going to be interesting. ESPN, I guess, was taking some shots at him. You pointed this out earlier, one hour ago on Jim Ursay's uh, blue checkmark official Twitter account in regards to the show First Take on ESPN. Quote, First Take, you're going to get your ass sued because there was no alcohol, no illegal drugs, talking about his arrest. $29,000 is low for me to be carrying in. 2014 arrest. I give away $2,000 to $10,000 to the homeless and needed on the street all the time and pass it on. I'm making the world a better place. 
because ESPN was ripping on him saying, now, wait a minute, you had all this cash, you had all these pills at the time of your DUI arrest. He goes on to say a couple different things. 15 minutes ago, and this is the one that I retweeted, and on first take, the woman that preceded Stephen A., how dare you pretend to know me? I don't know your name. I don't care to. If my black mother, Dorothy, were still alive, you'd be in some big hot water. You are mean and ugly. You're a nothing burger. Jim Mercy's a rolling. He is a flamethrower on Twitter right now, Jerry. Yeah, no, he's uh, definitely one you're going to want to watch today. That's going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> like, this is the Twitter feud that I did not wake up expecting to find. Jim Ursay against ESPN on Twitter, but hot damn, I'm kind of yeah. here for it. Notifications on for Jim. Let's go. Uh, Thanksgiving Eve again. Please be careful tonight. A lot of amateurs that don't know how to hold their booze are going to be out there having a good time, partying up. We give this same speech on St. Patrick's Day. We give the same speech on New Year's Eve. It's amateur hour for a lot of people. But unlike my generation and your generation growing up, Jerry, we're about the same age. There are options now. Yep. It's easy to just get on your phone and get an Uber, get a Lyft, you know, get a buddy to come pick you up. Cabs are still out there. There's no reason for anybody to be driving impaired tonight. And there's a lot of places that actually you might want to just go to a bar or wherever you're going to. There's a lot of places that partner uh, with other ride services that have rides available. So, you know, make it to Thanksgiving. That's the most important thing, right? It's, right. It's a lot cheaper to pay for Uber than it is to lose your license, possibly your life, get a DUI and, and make a decision that could ruin your life. And man... We got people's kids and moms and dads out there on the roads. Maybe they're coming home from work. They're not out having a good time. They're coming home from work. Be courteous. Do the right thing. Get a ride share. Have it lined up before you go out tonight. Now, as for Thanksgiving, I think we all know what's on the table tomorrow. Thanksgiving's almost here. You've been eating healthy, exercising, and trying to stay fit since spring. But here come the holidays. It's go time. You've earned it. Time to start stretching your stomach. Turkey, mashed potatoes and gravy, stuffing, biscuits, yams, green bean casserole, and pumpkin pie. That's it. Stuff your face. Cram the good stuff in your pie hole. That's why they call it a pie hole. So from here on out, it's time to loosen the belt, pull out your elastic waistband slacks, and embrace the gluttony. This message brought to you by self-indulgence, weakness, debauchery, and unrestraint. I'm here for it, Jerry. <laughs> Me too. I'm here for it. I've lost 30 pounds since August, but I told Rob Kendall when I started this weight loss challenge where I weigh in on his show every Friday, I want a couple timeouts to play with because I know how bad I'm going to embarrass myself on Thanksgiving. Oh, this is this is a day I live for. I don't eat leftovers. I eat Thanksgiving leftovers as long as I can. Now, you're also going to hear a lot of chatter from some major news networks about how awful of a holiday this is. As a matter of fact, uh, Turning Point USA, they work with a lot of kids on college campuses. They did a video where they walked around and spoke to some college kids about whether or not it's a racist holiday. Just asking people if they think Thanksgiving is racist. It's a genocidal holiday, so yes. That's quite a question. Yes. Um... There's just like this false perception. I think there is a lot of tension. I personally haven't done the research myself to understand what most likely happened, but I think it's kind of just like the lies the textbooks growing up tell us. 
I don't know. I guess like I want to celebrate it because like I get to see my family after three months. Um, but I guess that's that's a tough question. Like all the Native Americans to die and get sent off to reservations. I think it's really hard to separate that from the holiday. <laughs> so why do you say no? Because it's about friends and family, and regardless of like the history that's behind it. Uh, no one goes into Thanksgiving dinner with their family thinking, oh, I'm going to try and establish white supremacy. No, it's all about eating turkey and having a good time. <laughs> so maybe, just maybe, one student on that campus has got his act together. I saw you're shaking your head quite a bit there, Jerry. This is, this is TikTok teachers, man. Thanks, TikTok. This is TikTok's <laughs> fault. It's a genocidal holiday. All right, Matt Bear, what's going on? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel Show rolling with you on Thanksgiving Eve. My name is Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez, Indie Spanglish on Twitter. He's filling in for Big Nige. And right now, let's go to the WIBC hotline and bring on my colleague in degenerate 101 classes, a great gambler, great sports better, even better comedian who's got a show coming up, Scott Long. How are you, my friend? You know, I'm about 55% as a gambler. I'm about 95% as a comedian. So <laughs> I think we do the math. That's pretty good. It's the 5% that uh, most people will talk about, though. Those That 5% where you didn't deliver as a comedian, where you get mm. those Yelp reviews, the YouTube comments, and all that crap. You know, there's a, there's a lot of controversy always going on in comedy, whoever the hot thing is, and then they end up getting in trouble. And basically, the two most popular comedians, uh, I don't know if you know this, um, Mr. Spanglish, am I supposed to call you Mr. Spanglish, Indy Spanglish, uh, the two most popular guys both had their shirts off a lot this past year. Uh, Burt Kreischer and Matt Rice. I'm somewhere in between. I don't know if I'm allowed to take my shirt off. I think you're at the age now where, like, taking your shirt off, we're not quite sure if you're trying to be funny or if you've reached that age where you just don't give a damn anymore and you're about to go get the mail outside. <laughs> well, I suggest people to come to my show Friday night. Who knows? Find out. I don't know. Maybe I'll have a little underboob. You never know. <laughs> hey, so, so you bring up Matt Reif, and I just want to touch on this real quick. What, what, how has social media changed comedy? Well, his career is based on social media. So if your career is based on social media and then you're angry that social media is not treating you nicely, that's a hard one. It used to be you were you were basically people would have like, you know, word of mouth and they're like, oh, this guy's really funny or this woman's really funny. And now it's like, hey, did you see 45 seconds of that person on TikTok? So um, I know I sound like the old man on the hill. Right, on right. This one a little bit. But there is some truth that there's some really great comedians out there that you might not have heard of. And uh, in his case, he's okay. He's not terrible. But he's a good-looking guy, though, Scott, and that's the thing. Oh, like, no. if Matt Reif looked like Steve Buscemi, would he be as popular <laughs> no. as he is? No. No, you're right. And I think he would have been lousy in 
uh, most of the movies that Steve Buscemi's been in. I don't think he would have fit in the Reservoir Dogs <laughs> or the Big Lebowski. You know, right? I right. I don't see him that way. He's a little too chiseled. But you know, I used to tell you this, Hammer. We used to have a partner that spent a lot of time on looking good, and that counts for something too. Yes. You know, you and I don't spend any time looking good. We'd be in a lot better place. You, you guys spend your time being funny. We have to come up well, with content to make true. up for the fact that we look like feet. <laughs> <laughs> and as a football show, that doesn't get you very far unless you're Rex Ryan. Then it seems like a foot thing would... Okay, well, I thought I was on a good run and then it all ended. That was a good one. That was a good one. If you know, you know yeah. when it comes to Rex Ryan and feet jokes yeah. right there. If you know, you know. Yeah. Uh, comedian Scott Long joining us. I mentioned earlier uh, our betting article is now live at WIBC.com. I've got it on the Hammer and Nigel show, social media, my personal social media. Uh, if you want to find out my football picks for Thanksgiving and the weekend, Scott's picks, they're all right there. How big of a part of Thanksgiving weekend for you, Scott, is watching football. It's going to be really strange. I've got to tell you, uh, I'm not used to turning on Thanksgiving and seeing a good Detroit Lions team. Right. That's going to probably that's going to be throwing things off. I mean, maybe we should just serve sushi. Everything's upside down on Thanksgiving. I have no clue. So I, I was trying to think back. You know, remember how you'd be like, "Oh, this is another Lions." Oh, Barry Sanders is there and then for about 20 years Barry Sanders wasn't there and you're like this stinks why do they get it well now it's uh, that's the team I root for there is a team that I truly root for uh, they deserve some kind of joy or happiness it's Detroit I mean and then they haven't won I don't think since the 50s that's how long what happens been? to Detroit Scott let's just say hell freezes over and the Lions win this thing what happens yes. to the city of Detroit afterwards. Oh. oh, my God. I didn't think about that. Now I'm starting to think maybe I should root against them. They, <laughs> they can't have nice things. We kind of know that. You remember when Cleveland finally won a basketball thing and the city basically had some struggles for about three days. Things went mostly uh, peaceful pretty damn quick after that <laughs> happened. Yeah. So, no, for Thanksgiving, it very much is football. You know, definitely food, and uh, this is the age and stage I am in my life. I went on a three-week diet just so I could just eat like, you know, a maniac Yeah, three weeks. Love hearing that. That's what a, yeah, that's what a person of my age does that's responsible. I don't think you're officially an adult until you start air-drying your T-shirts. <laughs> they won't fit otherwise. You, you, you've seen those commercials like how to not be your parents. I'm that guy on Thanksgiving. I'm walking in. I'm already yeah. looking at my phone like, all right, we're going to eat four plates. You got the sweatpants we're on. We're out of here. I call it the meat sweats. You eat so much food, it's just like your body yeah. just shuts down in slow motion. Yeah, that's why I don't wear tight uh, sweatpants, because I don't want to get meat sweat. <laughs> you are doing a big Black Friday show, yeah. Uh, yeah. Red Curb, right? Is that out in Avon? That is out in Avon. You get to drive by every, I think, potential uh, chain restaurant in America on your drive. It's kind of visually beautiful. You're a big chain restaurant guy, me. aren't you? Like, in a world oh, yeah. where everybody talks about mom and pop places, you're a big no. chain restaurant guy. Yeah, here, here's the story. People 
like I have friends that are like, you know, real foodies and real chefs. Uh, you can't can't go to one of those places and get a seven dollar kids meal. You know, it's one of those stories where it's like, hey, you know what? Chili's does a pretty good job. Uh, you know, I'm going to go there. So, yeah, I like a chain restaurant. Go to the chain restaurant. The show starts at 730. You get there at seven. They got some drinks. And here's the greatest thing ever. I used to do Black Friday shows the day after Thanksgiving with uh, Ron Sexton. A.K.A. Donnie Baker passed away. Uh, we used to do it every time afterwards. So it kind of feels right that I would do it, you know, after. What really makes me, I think, always happy doing these shows is so many people are with family members that they hate. And they have no excuse to not be with their family members unless they have tickets to a comedy show. There you and go. That's where you need entertainment. This is the best night to me of the year to go. Bring the people that are, are your family to the show and the ones that you don't like, just make up something else. They're not going to want to come to a comedy show. People that like comedy shows, they're usually the people you want to hang out with. Right. And then afterwards, they can meet up at Chili's and everything is right with the world. Right, Scott? <laughs> yeah, they're up until 10. Um, and it's, it's a family show. What does that mean? I don't know what a family show means. It means that if they're 13 and up, come to the show and I'm going to do something special for this show. I'm going to put a curse tip jar on stage. So I'm, I'm saying it's a family show. Every time I curse, I'm going to uh, donate 20 bucks to the Special Olympics. Okay. So uh, I, I hope... I, re I pray that uh, Cat Williams doesn't come in and do a guest set, <laughs> or I'll be broke. Tickets are available. Fun night out. Comedian Scott Long. You can also check out his uh, betting plays, along with yeah. mine, on WIBC.com and the Hammer and Nigel so social media. Scott, break a leg, brother. Happy Thanksgiving. Give the family my regards, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Go to ScottComedy.com or ScottComedy on Twitter to find out more. All right. Tony Kennett coming up next. He is from the Tony Kennett cast each night here at WIBC. It's on an hour later tonight at 8 o'clock due to the news special uh, about the JFK assassination anniversary. So he's coming up here in just a moment. Right now, let's break down and take a look at the news. The Hammer and Nigel Show. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, everyone. Hopefully. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're going to be safe, make some good decisions, eat a lot of food over the next couple of days, give thanks. And right now, let's go to the WIBC hotline and a man that I'm thankful for, a man that delivers local content every single night here at WIBC, the Tonus, Tony Kennett from the Daily Signal and the Tony Kennett cast. Tonus, what's up, brother? It is just the kind of Thanksgiving Eve where I'm doing journalistic stuff with one hand and I'm cooking stock for the gravy with 
with the other. You know what I'm saying? I was really, you know, waiting to hear where that sentence was going to finish at. I've got one hand over here and could have gone a number of different directions there. Uh, but let's get down to the nitty gritty here. I want to get your thoughts on what appears to be a little bit of a trade, this hostage situation between Israel and Hamas. Some people calling it a temporary ceasefire. I think you have to be careful with that verbiage because let's not get it twisted. Israel still wants to annihilate Hamas, but there has been some wheeling and dealing in regards to hostages. Your thoughts? So Hamas thinks that by kind of pausing the fighting for a moment in order to exchange hostages, that they'll somehow ramp up some kind of global momentum to keep Israel from resuming after the four or five days. Uh, That's not going to happen. But I want to point your guys' attention at something very interesting here, and that is all of the the hostages that Hamas is releasing are women, mothers, children, and uh, all of the hostages that Israel are releasing are uh, young dudes in their 20s um, who were caught massacring a lot of women and children. So it really shows you uh, kind of the two kinds of prisoners the sides are taking. Tony, do you, th- do you think there's a reason that it took this long to get in the hostage negotiations? Because I've always kind of thought that, um, you know, the, the same thing as you. If Hamas got four or five days here, that they would just re-up all their stuff, right? So I think now that now that the IDF has gone through and cleared the tunnels, right, do you think that leads up for more of this hostage negotiation and also more um, specific attacks o- over on the Hamas side, since we know everybody should be above ground at this point? Well, you know that an army runs on its stomach, and Hamas is seriously hurting because its supply lines have been severely crippled. Uh, also, seven of the Hamas leadership have been killed at this point. There are uh, 13 to go, and they are hurting. They do need a moment to regroup. Um, I think that they are desperate to get some of the 20 that Israel is holding back because at least two of them have leadership potential. Uh, however, at this point, I think that Hamas is more than anything kind of doing a Hail Mary pass uh, to try to get some momentum behind like a global condemning of Israel resuming the fighting. What the globe doesn't understand, though, is that Israel's combined unity left and right government is just not going to stop until every member of Hamas is pushing daisies or whatever grows in the Middle East. Tony, does it make me a horrible person that when I hear Joe Biden come out and talk about how there may be a hostage deal in place, knowing that he might have the ear of Netanyahu. Am I a rotten SOB? Because the first thing I think of is this probably isn't going to be good because every deal that Joe Biden has made has been awful, whether it's with Iran, whether it's trading Brittany Griner for the merchant of death, this habit of negotiating with terrorists, something about that just kind of makes me a little uneasy. Look, I'm happy the women and children are out, but does it make me a horrible person? Because I feel like, man, this might not be a great deal. Um, That's precisely what should be going through your mind, because, uh, again, when Joe Biden basically categorizes anything, it should immediately be brought into suspect, especially when he's talking about what should be happening geopolitically on the global stage. And it's not because he's uh, not because he's malicious in his actions on the world stage. He's a doddering old fool. I mean, you've actually had members of the State Department, of the Secretary of State's office and the Department of Defense stopping the president mid-speech because Biden has started to say too much 
Um, it's very clear that Israel is actually taking less advice from the United States by the day. And to that, I say good. Your first and foremost action as a country should be to have the full and complete control and responsibility of your own military. You answer to no one but your citizens. Tony Kennett is our guest here on The Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez, Indy Spanglish on Twitter, filling in for Big Nige. Now, Tony, your wheelhouse is covering education. You were a longtime educator here in Indianapolis, and now you kind of investigate things at a national level with the Daily Signal and your own program here nightly at WIBC. Did I read correctly that in New York, their governor, Kathy Hochul, wants to basically initiate the Ministry of Truth, what we were making fun of for so long with the Biden administration and the lunatic they tried to bring in to teach us what's real and what's not, what's misinformation, what's not. New York's actually doing that, aren't they? They are. And I talked about this a little bit on the Tony Kinnikast last night. Um, as a guy who runs the uh, largest parody account on Twitter at the moment, um, <laughs> I, I, get, uh, I get a really big kick out of people doing my job for me. And I got to tell you, the, the same government that would be the state of New York that told people the COVID vaccine, which is, again, it's not actually a vaccine, was safe when it's not. The same that told them that COVID-19 did not originate from a Wuhan lab. Now we know that for certain. The same that said a number of nonsensical things from climate change to inflation to uh, why we need to lock all of the elderly up in the same room in a nursing home during the first wave of COVID. That's the one who's going to tell you what's not a conspiracy theory. That's the one who gets to decide what truth is and what isn't. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to take a bunch of factual advice from people with gender theory degrees who is in their sub-department of education that will likely be running this ministry of truth. You know, one of the, one of the biggest concerns when these kinds of things happen is who's fact-checking the fact-checker, right? So uh-huh. who's determining what is fact? Who's determining, who's making the final the final decision on that? Because whether you consider yourself liberal or conservative, I think we want facts. We'll debate with facts, right? right. And, and that's a lost art today because so much of the stuff that, that we talk about, people don't want to speak about the facts. So so who, who, who ultimately is going to be the one to make the decision on whether this goes into a history book or whether it doesn't, whether my kids learn about the, the truth about the Civil War or whether they don't? Who's going to make that decision? Like every single bureaucracy, whether it's in a state government or whether it's in the federal government, the bureaucracy answers to no one. The Department of Education may sort of answer to the state superintendent. They may sort of answer to the secretary of education at the federal level. But at the end of the day, those employees are going to do whatever they want because the legislature doesn't hold them accountable. The executive branch doesn't hold them accountable. Anytime you give government unilateral power to a bunch of pencil pushers who were just hired, not elected, they're going to be completely untrackable, ungrabbable, at least in, in criminal proceedings. They get away scot-free with anything because they've been given unilateral authority. So what's going to happen in New York if a student in school says, you know what, I've studied up on what happened during COVID and lockdowns didn't work, cloth masks did not work, and the vaccine was not a vaccine and you could still get it and spread it. If you say that in New York, are they going to call that misinformation? 
Yes, they are. And, and we've seen this before with other organizations that have tried to be these arbiters of truth. You saw this with fact checkers like Snopes with PolitiFact. At first, they'll say, well, actually, that's kind of nuanced. And they love throwing that word around. See, it's actually a lot of gray areas. And really, it's all about people's personal truths. And after they do that for a few months, then it will be, well, this is a blatant lie because and then they'll they'll, you know, attach themselves to one very small thing that's not even relevant to the story. That's how these organizations work. It's the same hot garbage, new coat of paint. Tony Kennett with us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. So if I say somebody pulled a Bud Light, we all know what that means at this point, right? Like your company made a poor decision to get in bed with certain woke ideologies and you ruined your business model. That's pulling a Bud Light. Target, they did the same thing. But at least Bud Light seems like they've learned from their mistakes, Tony. Target, on the other hand, they're doubling down. And it's the best thing I've ever seen. I actually made a reel on Instagram about this. It's currently about to hit a million views. And the reason it's hitting a million views so quickly is because people just can't believe it. The tone deafness is stellar. So they hired this wacko just a couple of weeks ago. Who Target did, right? To, yeah, he wants to torch and burn all of like traditional Christmas with glitter and hellfire and the Target's releasing a bunch of LGBTQ decor for Christmas, prideifying it. And everyone's like, dude, didn't you just lose $14 billion this year for your tuck-friendly swimsuits for kids and a bunch of other really creepy crap you were selling? Nope. They're going to do this right at the time of year when they need to make up for this year's deficit. Amazon and Walmart are knocking at their door to take over their market share. And Target just opened the door and bent over. I've never seen an organization so willing to shut its doors like Target is doing. I, I'm amazed. Well, and to your point, you look around these these big liberal cities where these targets and these other places have just been rioted through and ran through and they're just leaving these cities and now they're alienating the only customer base they have left after they've already done it once right so like for what they say first time shame on uh, shame on you right <laughs> second time sh- you, you know what they say George W. Bush <laughs> has got your back right there <laughs> if you fool me you can't get fooled again right 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 I mean really at this point you just have to wonder I mean they hired this guy to be their head of segmentation, and they listed a bunch of the LGBT letters that go on forever, and then they said he's also their head of pride. How down as an organization do you need to be to hire someone to be in charge of pride for your organization? I, I'm going to open up a new organization. This person's going to be in charge of lust, and over there, that's gluttony. <laughs> what, what are you doing? you got about uh, 30 seconds left here, and here's the thing with Target. Even liberals like money, right? Like when we were ran by MS Communications in this building, Jeff Smullyan was our owner. He was awesome. He disagrees with probably 99.999% of the things we say politically, but he liked money and he left us alone. What, where are these you know, heads of Target? Where are the board members? Where are the people that have bought stock saying, what the hell are you guys doing? You're hemorrhaging money and you're making it worse. Why isn't anybody stepping up to the plate here? Because there's still an idea that persists that boycotts don't work, that if we just ride it out, then it'll totally be okay. The thing is, that's starting to become a theory that doesn't work anymore. Bud Light, they just last week fired their U.S. head of marketing. Now Target is going to really lean on, oh, come on, certainly it won't be that bad. And when it is that bad, maybe they'll learn. I don't know. Time will tell. Tell us about your show tonight. 
Tonight we have A.G. Todd Rakita on, also uh, Spencer Clavin. He's a major uh, literacy and classical lit expert, going to be talking about some cool stuff. And it's the pre-Thanksgiving episode. We've got all kinds of wacky nonsense to throw on the air. On Twitter, at the Tonus, Tony Kennett, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and we'll talk to you next week. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. All around the world. Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez, Indie Spanglish on social media, filling in for Big Nige. Thanks for stepping up on the holiday, my friend. Definitely, and I always, always, always enjoy being here, so, so thanks for having me. What are you thankful for? It's like the cliche question, but again, you hear so much negativity, and we're just as guilty. We talk about a lot of negative things you know, on the show, because I think a lot of things impact other people when they're negative, but let's make it a little positive right now. What are you thankful for? You know, I, th- I think I'm most thankful just to uh, just to have another day, right? Because there's a lot of people that aren't, unfortunately, they're not around to have another day. And I think as long as you have another day, you have an opportunity to fix a lot of things that, you know, whether it's apologizing to family members or working on relationships or, or spending more time with your kids, as long as you have that one more day. Uh, so that's probably what I'm more thank- mo- most thankful for uh, this year. What about yourself? It's been a rough couple of weeks with what's been going on on my wife's side of the family. So my wife had a big surgery. Everything's fine. She's recovering. Uh, but the moment that she was dismissed from the hospital, her mother passed away. So she went from supposedly having to be on bed rest to being up at the hospital to make life or death decisions in regards to her mother it's been a really challenging time but uh the strength of family man and the strength of friends the strength of prayer it gets so many people through and it always makes me mad when i see people say your thoughts and prayers are not enough man sometimes it's enough you know people that i don't know praying for my wife and my wife's mother it means a lot to uh to us anyway definitely i i think the older i get the more that i i want to re- i reach out to my guy friends and say, hey, man, how are you doing? Right. You know, and they, I'm good. No, 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 for real. How are you doing, man? Just a little wellness check. Yeah, just, you know, just, just we used to call it check on your battle buddies. You yeah. know, I think you get older and life gets in the way and kids and this and that. And, you know, sometimes you just need to stop and just tell tell somebody like, hey, man, I'm having a day. Check on your people. Yep. 100%. So whatever you're thankful for, uh, raise up a toast, have a big drink and celebrate it like nobody's business next couple of days. We're coming back for one more hour. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.